0: People want more democracy, not less. It's time to talk progressive politics and practical solutions with Joy Silver. Outspoken from Radio 111. Now, here's Joy. Welcome to Outspoken with Joy Silver. My name is John McMullen, and as the program director at Radio 111, it's my pleasure on this final podcast of 2022 to turn the tables Joy has been very active in a lot of stuff leading up to the 2022 fall election, and I thought it would be a great opportunity for us to learn from your experiences and to find out what your thoughts are on what happened during the November elections this year. Joy, welcome to your own show. Well,
1: thank you for that, John, and it is an exciting thing to actually be on my own show in this way. And I do want to say welcome to everybody who worked so hard on all these campaigns, because the effort that individuals and groups and parties have really done, and especially our candidates, the work that it takes to be a candidate and the work that it does to support those candidates. It's just an incredible thing. One of the things that I wanted to share before we really get into the weeds on some of the things that I was able to experience is that in this environment of polling, I want to start with the environment of polling. And I'm sure that most people remember this, that in 2016, the polls gave Hillary Clinton an 85 percent chance of winning the presidency, even on Election Day. And the polls that were involved include The New York Times, 538, PredictWise, Princeton Election Consortium, Cook Political Report, Center for Politics, HuffPo, Daily Coasts, Morning Consult, YouGov, Real Clear Politics, Reuters, and even Quinnipiac. So these are known entities for polling, and yet these are the same polls that were talking about what was going to happen on this red wave scenario.
0: When it comes to that, Joy, personally, I feel that we may be living in a post-poll world. Do you share that feeling after getting out and being able to talk to people in places like North Carolina and Florida this year?
1: Well, I think that we need to re-examine how we select the groups that we're polling. I think that's one of the things. I think we're using um, old methodology here and it's it's almost a subset and part of that subset is people who answer the phone and people who answer a landline. So I think there's there are issues there, although I know that some polling um, some polling organizations do use texting, but I think there's we have to it needs an overhaul um, ultimately. you know Alan Lichtman, And he was the one who predicted that um, the former guy, as I call him, Colt 45, he said that Colt 45 would win the election. And that was in 2016. But he also predicted a win for Colt 45 in 2020. And then, of course, the ever outside, but really inside person, Michael Moore, predicted a Colt 45 win. And he was the one who said that the Dems would would, would make a good showing. He called it a blue tsunami. And historically, I could agree with him, but all of us would have liked to see just a little better on the house even though it's historically and almost numerically impossible. But we did we did great, but there are those of us who wish we would have held the house just as well. So, he knew. And this is another interesting thing, John. The 538 had written that the anti-abortion crowd in Kansas was also going to win by 4 points and they lost by 18 points. Part of the issue also is the priorities and the questions. And this gets to my field work, okay? Because inflation, is inflation a priority? Well, yes, it's a priority. And is it your number one priority? Well, sure, it's about money, but nobody really understands what inflation is. But if you think that abortion is separate from an inflation question, we're already having an issue. Mm -hmm. If you think abortion is separate from healthcare, we already have an issue. If you think that crime is separate from domestic violence, so the, the silos that the questions are asked in is part of the polling problem because they are very much intrinsically and inextricably aligned. And so to pull them apart, what's more important, crime or gun violence? I mean, you can't, you can't ask a, a question like that because priority-wise, it doesn't make any sense. But the biggest one, This goes into my mainly Florida and some of my North Carolina experience, as you, as our listeners may know, I was out in the Val Demings in Seminole County, Florida, and I did a lot of door knocking out there. And if you say on a scale is democracy important, you may see it leaning towards the, you know, towards the end of the priorities. But when I knocked on the door, I said, "What's the most important thing to you in the election now?" those who answered would say to me, I just want to be sure I can vote because I think we're coming to a place where they're trying to take our vote from us. And that, my friend, that is what democracy is about to most of the people on the ground.
0: Yeah. And that's something that I think as we got closer and closer to the election, the polls that you made reference to that have had a lot of credibility in the past, many of them reflected that that democracy issue had softened to being one of the least important priorities for people and that wasn't the case
1: it wasn't the case and for some reason it would it would belie the fact that people were actually affected by what they saw on the January 6th issue and the mainstream media was picked up this messaging piece and they ran with it as if well there really was no big deal and you know January 6th had come and go and the worst part of it was well abortion seems to have taken a back seat to whom? Half a gender got their rights taken away from them. You think they were going to sit by for that? I want to go back to the Kansas the Kansas situation where they were terribly wrong about what happened there on the polling. They didn't contact Women's Foundation in Los Angeles, who were making calls like mad women. They were calling into Kansas. They didn't talk to Women's March in Washington, D.C. In other words, they didn't talk to the people who were doing the groundwork. To see what was happening, mm-hmm. they were doing their subset of their polling of people who answer the phones or will or bother texting that's that I think is where the mistake is because people who are doing the groundwork, people who are knocking on doors we're going to have a better understanding of what's important to people, and this I think is going to this is going to pretend the way polling is actually going to, is going to need to happen if it's going to be reliable in any in any way
0: but aren't they the poll takers? The companies that do that, or the universities, etc., that operate those polls, aren't they going to take the perspective? Then we're kind of going into a biased pool on either side of those issues, rather than just randomly se- selecting people. I mean, you and I have talked about this before, but it is not uncommon anymore for things to come up where if a call appears on your caller ID and you can't identify it, or maybe it is identified by if you have a cell phone company saying this is a scam call, people are not likely to answer that.
1: Well, you know, I, I have a joke about that. I mean, I was speaking just last week to a group, a Democratic club, who was definitely over the age of 60, maybe even over the age of 70. Mm-hmm. And this is the group that you would think landlines, maybe they answer the phone. Okay. And I ask this group who answers their phone to a number they don't know and not one person raised their hand, except me. Because I actually answer spam likely or potential spam. In fact, I'd like to introduce the two of them. Spam likely to potential scam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get them dating. Get in them dating because they already have similar interests. But I actually answer those phone calls because maybe one of them will be a poll, which I, I and I do want to help with that. But is it a biased pool? Well, you know they wait. They, when, when a poll is done, they wait them anyway, and they'll give a certain percentage to this and that. And I think this has to be part of the program of waiting a poll, mm-hmm. right they can talk to both those pools that may seem uh, if if, if women 's March said we've talked to sixty thousand people, what is the weight of what the response is how does the how does the response look to you and I don't think that everybody is aware of how many groups that are not really seen are actually doing the work, and I think that's a critical piece
0: uh, you know sometimes I wonder if maybe part of the way to do it having worked in the broadcast industry for many years, the way that Nielsen and previously Arbitron would do this is, yes, they'd make an initial call to people, but if they couldn't get through to people, they would actually send mail to a variety of addresses. And in doing that, they would have a response rate of X amount, and they would try and build a pool of people who were weighted from the different age demographics and gender demographics so that they had a balanced pool. It would seem to me that somebody should set up a poll where they can actually have people opt in to be part of the polling pool. Yeah. And where they can even check off that they identify as a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent, a Green, whatever. Right. Because then you would have a solid base to go to people and not necessarily, I mean, some are going to vote party line only, but we saw a perfect example in a state like Georgia where you had people who were voting split tickets.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I remember there were the Arbitron ratings and how they did it. And I remember them sending a dollar yeah, In the, remember that you'd yes. open the envelope. There'd be a dollar, and yeah. because money came, you know, you would okay. People said, didn't
0: take it as just being a junk mail thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that that heads up. I think you're right about that because when they when there is a poll and it comes over your landline, there's no nothing comes before asking you if you'll be part of this poll as we go forward. And I think I think that's a really good idea. And so all of that together, we have to look at the potential polling and how we can best use it from the data that we have. So that would be very helpful. And, you know, there are areas, I mean, there are things where people will talk to you and they say, well, forget Florida. It's so red. Well, there's reasons that Florida's red. They, they eviscerated all the voter rights and, and put in a lot of laws. I think it was SB90, which said you couldn't, it, just like they did in Georgia, where you couldn't give water to somebody waiting in line, and right. you had to show this thing and that. I mean, they, and they knocked out all the ballot boxes, and then, you and know.
0: They had a governor in Florida who hand-drew those three districts that they flipped by some of the worst gerrymandering in the country this year.
1: But that doesn't mean Democrats aren't there. No, that just means they don't have access to voting in the numbers that they actually are. And I think that that's right. a really big difference because that when I was in the field, I saw—I mean, I saw the Democrats. They're there and they're upset and they're and they're they're all voting and working very hard. But you're looking at an almost impossible situation for them to win an election there. You know.
0: How do you overcome that though, when the Supreme Court has ruled as it has?
1: well and their in lines the biggest issue right. i look i think that in and i think that this is the same thing with adam frisch and and bobart i i'm saying that because many people who are people who are speaking to me and i admit i'm in that bubble i mean it is true but they are quite upset over adam frisch over 500 votes not calling for a recount mm. and they think and and this You know, maybe, I mean, I don't know about the National Democratic Party, but it was about money, so we are told that it was about money as to why a recount, but this was a really, really important situation there between Frisch and Bobart, and consequently, right after Bobart is announcing then we hear about Colorado Springs, and that's a whole nother story, but it was a very dangerous situation, and I think this is the thing, and, and I still have in my memory, and I'm sure in yours as well, and many of the people who are listening to this uh, conversation today, where did we lose Florida? Mm-hmm. We lost it at Gore. Yeah. Because we know that Gore won. Yes. And we gave it up. We didn't take the fight. And that, and that was very, very few votes there. So there was your first recap. And that was sort of, in my mind, we can base it back on the end of Florida, sort of. You know, So I see it in that way. But there are many, many strongholds, and, and I don't believe in abandoning those people who have our values in states where they live. I mean, they should move. I mean, that's a very privileged idea. They, and we're ceding territory for no, no reason, except we don't have the tools to fight on the ground in certain right. states. And I don't think that that's necessarily something that we should be doing.
0: Let me ask you, do you think that in light of how close we came to democracy really going right down the toilet this year do you think that it should be a priority of the president president yeah. biden to stack the court now and put four more people on the supreme court well
1: i personally think so yeah. i do because um right now i think the number that was established was for the particular census of the particular time period and if we just follow census we should be able which sh- i believe it should be about 13 or so right now and this is not because there are more liberals and there are more, I mean, I think it's more because we're not being represented, you know, just on a census basis.
0: When we think about the republic being majority by not thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, but by millions of active voters being unable to enjoy the rule of majority rules, are we the only democracy where majority rules doesn't?
1: Right. That's a really good question. I mean, I think and I think that that is the question. And of course, that goes back to the Electoral College. Right. And I think it also and I'm not saying we can solve this so quickly because we have so much work to do before we can even consider it. But I think you really have to look at the two senators for each state, regardless of yes. how many people they're representing. So those issues are, are, are in there in the structure. But if we don't gain ground, we really won't even have a chance to do that.
0: The idea that a state like West Virginia has the same... Power at that level of our legislature—that a state like California, where there, where you have a difference between, uh, what eight hundred thousand and thirty-nine million people—is mind-boggling.
1: It's mind-boggling, and it's so it's not representative. No. You know, and I think and, and, and I think it was deliberately done that way, you know, when they, when they first established that. But I think the thing that, again, knocking on doors, I, I knocked some doors for Will Rollins. I mean, it's a Will Rollins knocking doors for Will Rollins in an area that was already already f- for him and just trying to get people to make sure that they're voting. That's one thing. But when I'm out in Alamance County, North Carolina, which is a whole nother world and very rural and a little bit scary. Yeah. Uh, when you're out there and you're meeting people who are registered as Democrats or independent but vote democratically because that's really who you, what you're doing. When you're out in the field at that point in time and you have certain numbers, you want to be sure they're the ones who are coming out and making the vote because when we vote, we win. Okay, so you're trying to increase your get-out-the-vote numbers. But there are people there who, once I'm knocking on the door, and I can see these, these horrible things like there was this baby showing it was peeing on Pelosi on somebody's front door. I mean, this is the kind of things that people a big Confederate flag I mean yeah. Trump's and when you look at that and I knocked on the door and I see there are a lot of Democrats in this section that I'm that I'm walking. And I would go to those doors and I'd say, I just want you to know you have a lot of people who think like you do. And if if I did nothing. Right. That was a critical thing because the isolation between mainstream media, the fear that if they put a lawn sign that, they're gonna, that their dog will get shot. I mean, there are things that go on out here. right? And not knowing, not even being afraid to have this conversation with your neighbor because some places it's not so safe, especially if it's a little bit remote. Those people hearing, listen, I've been knocking doors all day and I want you to know there's a lot of people who think the way that you do in your area right here. That alone is the hope of us. The hope for people who are anti-authoritarian and don't and, and are and are fighting against the fascist uh, the fascism that's trying to take over the entire country. And I think that's very important. You know, they're organized there. This is another thing. Um, when when we look at Riverside County. And we see what happened in the southwest, and the southeast part, in the school boards. Mm -hmm. It's not just happening here. And it's not just being organized here. I went to Florida, I saw exactly the same thing. The Moms for America and the constitutional sheriffs who have PACs, or the extremist sheriffs who call themselves the Sheriff's Association, whatever they're calling that same term that they're all belonging to, they're funding this.
0: Yeah, all... uh chad bianco
1: yeah well there you go and a perfect example he's the he's the pack the 412 church they activated with the pulpit that only exists i I mean their religion seems to be you would think it was christianity there but it isn't it's a religion of getting what they consider their christianity in the power positions so this organizational methodology We're fighting on every ground in every state, and we're not, I don't think that we're organized in that way on a very local level to fight that level of organizational power that's already national, and we need to. We need to have a cold, hard look at reality and realize we're not just up against somebody at a school board. This isn't just somebody. Lauren Bobart is not just somebody. Right. Right? These are candidates that are hand-picked to carry the flag forward. A- a- Amy Cona Barrett, a- on the Supreme Court. yeah, A cult member. right? <laughs> She's on the Supreme Court. Yeah. And nobody wants to ask the question? Well, you know, not a great thing. The- I'm
0: not surprised. I mean, they wear black robes.
1: Right. <laughs> they wear black. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's um, almost
0: like they went to Hogwarts.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's that same... Lo- but what is critical there is we need to look at the down-ballot races. And Realize that the infiltration, what I call the virus, the virus is now moving forward to infect the kids. Yeah, and this is happening. And so we need, you know, we really have to look at the down ballot races much the way we looked at the nationals.
0: I remember this in the '70s and '80s, and the onslaught that came from Ralph Reed and his type you know, Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson and all the stuff that they did and the way that they manipulated leaders and people in the Republican Party. Look, I'm not gonna paint stripes that the Republicans were great people, but the fact of the matter is is even Ronald Reagan was pro choice as awful as he was in many other respects when he was in California politics and then later as the president, it just showed you it was Falwell and Robertson, who really forced the change on the issue of abortion with him in this country. And so I'm curious, in all that you have learned over these last several years as a candidate, as a activist, as a political operative, what do you think it's going to take for us on the left of center to get our collective crap together?
1: It's interesting about Biden, because essentially he's he has taken that forward momentum and and certainly i would not have thought as a centrist he would be doing that but he has and i think that 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 movement forward is is a critical move forward so it's going to take leadership and i think we have to we have to look at that but just think about this for a second i want to go back to the the media the messaging from the mainstream media, the cable TV, the red, you know, the red wave, the red wave, the red, and the dispiriting message of that. Our party will have to put its relationships with media on a much more local level and keep things moving forward. I mean, I think our strategic aim is to be sure that people know what our values are and what value we have To our constituency, and be engaged on that very low visceral, and I don't mean low level in the sense of it's lesser, because essentially, if you can win the ground game on a down ballot, you will win the upper, Mm -hmm. you will win the top of the ballot, and that is, and so we have to kind of look. I think that the the Democratic strategy overall was to kind of abandon the down ballot races and go for the 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 federal, you know, the federal races and and even the the statewide. But I think the opposition thought about it very differently, all the way back to Phyllis Schlafly, you know. Right. (laughs) Right? Get the church ladies to bake some goods and raise money and start moving forward in that way, even when it obviously was not in her best interest as a woman who was a leader. Yeah. Which is, you know, an, an irony that's never lost on me. You know, it's like Laura Ingram telling women how they should be when she's exactly the opposite of what she's talking about. Right. You know, it's like the queen bee syndrome. I'm okay, but you're different, and therefore, you know, I'm a different kind of woman. But anyway, that's that's a gender a gender discussion. But we really do need to look at what our our specific down ballot ground game is about. I think that is our way, and also our relationships with media, so that we're pushing the story rather than having the story push us. Nothing, but nothing makes us feel more hopeless than hearing constantly, you don't have a damn chance.
0: Yeah. Well, having worked in the media my whole life, at least since the age of 12 or 13, if there's one truism I have learned, it is that they only do what they think people want and try and reflect what people are the loudest about and it doesn't matter that another group of people exist if they feel like the majority of people will swallow something and that's why we end up with sensationalized crap on the news and we end up with crappy reality TV and and so on because to them the whole thing is entertainment i can tell you i went to the 2016 republican national convention in cleveland and i had been to other RNC conventions before that and this one was different than all the other ones I'd been at I mean sure they all kind of sickened me but That particular one was like if I were to put a pop cultural reference there It would be like walking into the cantina bar in Star Wars I mean it was really a freak show and it was really something else just to watch people in their interaction with one another, in the way that they dressed, in the way that they hooted and hollered, in the signs that they had, in the antics that they pulled at that event. And I was like, holy God, if these people win, this country is gonna go off the end of the pier.
1: Oh, yeah, no, and, and, and the danger of that. But, but that's, that's politics as a reality show, you see. yeah. And we have to remember that Colt 45 really began his career with wrestling.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is a carnival barker.
1: Well, and that was... And so that same sensibility of... The wrestling matches is exactly how he handles, I mean, that is his that is his way, that is his strategy. But
0: are we doomed to have to deal with personalities like that for the rest of our days because people in mass will vote for the lowest common denominator, the person that they can, I mean, I think that even with a business suit, you could paint the exact same picture in some ways with George W. Bush. Here was a guy that people said, "Well, I can envision myself going and having a beer with this guy." Right. I'm like, "Could you envision yourself choking on a pretzel too?" But, you know, seriously, this was somebody who people thought, "Oh, he's simple like me. He'll understand my life." Mm-hmm. I don't want somebody simple to be the CEO of the United States of America.
1: Well, I think that seeing, I mean, Joe Biden is far from he's far from the certainly the circus show. You couldn't really find a calmer person and still be president. I mean, I think in a certain way. And so I don't think that as the public that we're doomed to, to following one charismatic personality after another, because having met Joe Biden myself, I mean, the charisma of Stacey Abrams is larger than the charisma of Joe Biden. But Joe Biden was like a steadying hand in a sea of craziness.
0: Yeah. One of the things I like to remind people when they become critical of the current president. There's two things that get to me. One that gets to me is that you have a lot of people who say he didn't do anything to fix. Look, he's done almost, almost everything he promised that he was going to do for the American people. And there have been many wins since he has been in office. But setting that aside, the only reason that the American people, in my opinion, elected him to run this country was because he had one job and one job only, and that was to get the former guy out of office. And so anything else that has been accomplished to me was the icing on the cake.
1: But I do want to mention some big wins. We've had a lot of big wins, and I think Michael Moore is very good at articulating those wins. And, and I mean, I, w- I, I was reading about the... Um, It was a piece in The Guardian, and he said uh, voters had not moved from the Supreme Court's decision to debase and humiliate women by taking federal control over their reproductive organs. And what's inflation or past elections have anything to do with anything? We don't live in that time. You can't, and this is my favorite thing that he said there, you can't take human rights away from an entire gender and have that not blow up in your face. I mean, De- Democrats have to stop depressing their own vote with pessimism, fear, and conventional thinking. And you can't think you're going to lose, you're going to lose. And we have won. We Historically, I'm going back to the wins in the House, losing unheard of. Would we lose eight seats, maybe?
0: Yeah. I mean, In a midterm.
1: I mean, that's incredible. That with he-
0: a president who had as low of a approval rating as he and did and
1: we don't even know if that's true right because that's that's again sitting on polling right so what is that about it, evidently he had more approval than was reported by polling but i want to also talk about something else and this goes back to what he's talking about rights away from an entire gender in oregon the governor is tina Kotek; she's a lesbian in uh, massachusetts we have mara healy another lesbian Two lesbians for the first time in history. Two governors. Big movement. Big. That's a really big movement. So all of this, there are rights there, and we are not. We will move forward, and we will st- have our strategy around this. I'm not saying this is going
0: to be easy. Sorry, Chicken Little, the sky didn't fall.
1: Yeah, that's right. And we've had some major, major wins on that. And I do feel, I do believe, I, I, I do believe that Warnock is going to build beat herschel walker and having been in the field for Asaf and walker which is another thing that i i did in in their initial election in their special election right. they did not think he was going to win so here's a black guy and a jewish guy the black guy and the jewish guy got elected in georgia right oh you know? okay brian kemp all right and who knows you know he had to put a lot of laws in there to depress the vote because stacy was gaining on him okay but these senators won. And I do believe Warnock, and this is even bigger movement in in the Senate giving us, we don't have to worry about cinema and maybe sometimes mansion, depending on which of them are with us or not. But there it is. So these are really big wins. And I think the power of that is something we cannot take into consideration and then we have to build on that and and, and you know, kind of restructure our party to our ground game and our down ballot races. This would be uh, something that I think is important and also when we're looking at polling, remember you don't see all of the work that's being done in a poll and you're certainly I never heard the mainstream media talk about women's March Foundation. Now here's the thing that really is this is a shocker for me. not such a shocker, but it's a shock, not shock. In 2017, with no violence in the world, more of uh, the biggest marches ever coordinated around the world, even on a boat in Antarctica or Arctic or wherever that boat was, where they were showing the Women's March, I, all over the world with sympathetic marches, and nobody talked about what were the Women's March people doing during this election. No one. bands off our bodies rally right here in Palm Springs. Yeah biggest and then you know and and what was it 120 degrees no shade and people were out there yeah but nobody talked about this during the election inflation yeah i don't like things that cost more and none of it's going to matter if you can't vote
0: right that
1: was the issue and you know joe biden talked about democracy but talking about to women and to people of color who say i might not be able to vote because they want to turn the clocks back we fought hard We fought long to get that vote. Women had tubes stuffed down their stomachs and they were shot in the streets and arrested and chained themselves in their white clothes in front of the Capitol. Black people trying to get the vote after the Civil War. Native Americans weren't even given the vote until even much later. I mean, this matters. The fight is there. No mention of it.
0: And what did the Democrats do? with a little help from Republicans, most of whom I'm going to gather probably are in the next senatorial election cycle, but come right back in after the elections and put in place another one of the promises, which was to codify marriage protections for same-gender marriages as well as as well as the one that I guess should interracial, matter to the right. Supreme Court justice uh, and the Senate minority leader which is interracial marriage.
1: I know, of all things. And they did it right away because yeah. they and so there's another win. What was it? Like 14 Republicans. I mean, there were significant yeah. 12 Republicans. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Jumped right back in and got this done before anything changes in the house. I mean, so it's there even among Republicans. Yeah. that are not living in Trumplandia, or don't have to worry about
0: Trumplandia. Or don't have to worry about it. I mean, and there's so many who've already basically said they're not going to back him, including the president's daughter, or the former president's daughter. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So there is hope. And I think the fact that the red wave turned into the red ripple. Yeah, that is due to all of the people who are in this audience and beyond. That's right. Who decided that they were going to participate in the democracy.
1: That's right. We're not giving up, even though you would think we were if you watched it. And the many people I know, and myself included, there's a certain point where you turn off cable TV. Yeah. Because if you hear this one more time, I mean, it's just ridiculous that we're not getting the messaging from those who who are inspired and motivated in doing the work at the ground level.
0: Well, in terms of that fatigue, because it's like we're always in an election cycle it just never stops and if it's not on a national basis it is on a local basis i live in a district in cathedral city california that is probably about 90% Latinx. And the people here overwhelmingly, unfortunately, reelected a Trumper as the city council member that represents this district. And I couldn't believe as I drive up and down the streets the number of signs that I would see in yards for that candidate and it made me want to get out and ask, do you support the former president? because I'll bet a bunch of them don't, especially since there are many people who live in this area who might be or have people living in their homes who are undocumented. And it just baffles me as to how people don't pay attention, but they think, oh, you know, this person's a successful businessman. This person has been in office already. That's the person I'm familiar with by name when I look at the ballot, whatever, and they vote for him. But people have to get educated and what what do you think is next up and how do we keep people from getting further fatigue but What should they be maybe doing at this point as we start the march towards another and very important two-year election cycle?
1: Well, I mean, if if we're looking at um, political operatives that are constantly working on on campaigns, and this would be myself included, you know, and resistance groups and everything else. It's important to, on that local level that you're talking about, even in Cathedral City, Mm -hmm. look at the vote. Keep the voters informed about what is happening on on a media level, on a newspaper level at City Council, you have to let them know what that candidate is not doing right. It's just like with Ken Calvert right now. Yeah, It's really up to us in one way or another, whether it's the clubs or the county party or the resistance or whoever it is, but all unified, just to keep in the front of people's vision, media-wise and social media-wise and directing the communications and say, Calvert did this. Calvert is taking this from you. Calvert, In other words, identify that opposition now and start fighting the opposition. Don't even worry about who the candidate is that's going to be there to beat that person. Right. Just get that, that visibility of the egregiousness of yeah. the decisions that this person is making against the common, you know, the common interest.
0: Will would Will Rollins would have been such a great congress member and yeah. I would love to see him go up against him again. I just think that maybe there needs to be a little more education to people in this bizarre drawn district that covers from basically indio to corona. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. I mean, it reminds me my folks live in a district that used to be served by Gabby Giffords in the Tucson area and that district now stretches all the way like up towards Flagstaff. It's, I mean, I I don't know. I guess we have a nonpartisan commission that redo the California districts, but sometimes it doesn't feel like that.
1: Well, I, I have to say that it's still always going to be, and I see it, that we have to make the case to our voters in between elections so they can see the value. Because to start at ground zero and make it about the candidate, it isn't just about the candidate. It's did, about the values that the, that we're moving forward to and, and who the opposition is. And we ha- have to clearly identify what that opposition is.
0: Did we even get above 35 to 40 percent of registered voters in this election I in Riverside County? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. That's yeah. ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, and, and we're seeing the, the ramifications of that. I mean, Christy Holstead should have taken this, should have taken this, period. I mean, right now- yeah. Uh, as of, you know, there's a nine votes she's ahead. And that's got a lot to do with, first of all, there should probably we could have had more votes for her in Coachella Valley. But and San Bernardino was part of this mix. Yeah. You know, and so we have to reach out and, and they're, you know, and kind of work in tandem for some of these candidates. And I don't I don't I I think most people didn't know that San Bernardino was even part of the. The equation there right
0: you can go and look at the riverside county registrar voters information and think oh she's blown them away exactly but it, it's two counties in that district you have to match it all up and
1: and will rollins the, the good thing for will and he did fabulously, Yeah, is that he now has name recognition. Yes. So he's not starting from ground zero. No. And if we make sure that people know every step of the way the horrors of Calvert, we can aid that run. And two years is a very short time. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it goes... People don't even know they're not running in a campaign until two years later. I mean, I can tell you that <laughs> from personal experience. It takes a long time to realize you're not running anymore because we are always running. We are always running. So it's not... Uh, it, it, we have we have the dem plus registration here in Riverside County we can do this we just have to make sure that we are communicating to those that voter base so that they're constant that their engagement is such that they know the value of where it's going and i don't and, and it's what you said too about the personalities we can plug into candidates and their personalities but that's not going to be helpful we have to plug into the values and what we risk By non voting and who the opposition really is.
0: Yeah. And I got to tell you, as somebody again in media and communications, I know that there's something to be said for repeated instances of exposure but there's different kinds of exposure, and I feel like there's not an awful lot of brilliance on either side of the fence by people who are media consultants to politicians, because there comes a point when you see a flood of TV commercials in the same break even, where you'll see the same commercial back to back to back to back. In a two-minute window, you see the same 30-second ad four times, or When you open up the mailbox every day and there's another piece of freaking cardboard printed with another attack ad on somebody, and it just gets to a point where With some of these candidates that sent these things out, I honestly wanted to vote no, even though it was hold my nose and vote for the least offensive to me because I don't want to not vote and not have the right to bitch about something or to say we were right because that person does the right job in public office. They have a tendency to make themselves so unlikable by the overabundance of some of their communication, yet they do not do a lot of things that I think would be more helpful. For instance, I saw one candidate in Desert Hot Springs a couple of years ago who instead of sending out all those postcards and instead of buying TV ads, he spent his money on creating a like a community newspaper that really focused on here are the things that I have done for you as an incumbent candidate over the last several years and had you know quotes from different citizens, not from people whose pictures were taken from uh, you know from a stock photo collection or something like that, telling how this candidate, personally took on this particular thing for them in the middle of the night, you know, whatever, to help them out. To me, if you can sell a story about how you have helped your constituents, that is far more interesting than somebody who went to jail 28 years ago for three days because they got caught shoplifting or something. We live in a society that loves to hand out the ability for people to show that they've been rehabilitated and come back in and, you know, made a comeback in life. But then we can't honor that when it's time to vote for somebody who might really do something significant for the community.
1: Right. I mean, making that case is not an easy thing to do. A consistent letting people know what you're doing and how you're working for them, I think you're right. And that's that's why it's not just about the race at the time of the election. Yeah. But it's also the same thing that needs to be done in opposition to those who are not doing those those things that are helping anyone and yeah. keeping keeping their awareness to that, so we have a lot of power. We have a lot of motivation. We have a lot of inspiration. I think that um, putting that putting that strategy together overall, again, I'm I, I really. My thinking is that the, the focus on the down ballot races, this is what gives us our strength because the opposition is out there yeah. in, infecting the, uh, the voter constituency consistently. Look, people don't just go to church when there's an election right and they're out there doing this every day in Bible class and, and you know all kinds of things. They are inculcating and, and teaching and, and, and they're out there with their political campaigns consistently, and we're not a church, but maybe we need to act like one.
0: Joy, I want to thank you for letting me come and play in the sandbox with you (laughs) post-election and uh, let our audience know that all of our Radio 111 podcasts are going to be resuming after the holidays. We'll start back up around January the 7th, and we invite everybody to come back and get some fresh perspective for the new year. In the meantime, folks around here are going to take some time off to be with their families and enjoy the holidays, and I hope that you have a very happy holiday season.
1: Well, same to you, John, and thank you for joining me. Joy Silver here on Outspoken and Radio 111 Podcast, and we will be back because tell me what democracy looks like. This is what democracy looks like.